Food for Thought on News Talk 760 WJR is presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here's your host, Dr. Phil Knight. Welcome to Food for Thought, everyone. Thanks for listening. The network of the Food Bank Council of Michigan is a trend buster. We believe in leadership, and we believe the best leader available should be the leader. After a three-and-a-half-month process, the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan has chosen their next CEO. She is Kara Ross. Kara being the trend buster because over 75% of the people who work in the nonprofit field are women, but only 45% of the top CEO positions are held by women. Nearly half would be good if the sector wasn't so out of proportion between men and women. Kara M. Ross has served the mission of feeding hungry people for over 20 years, and she has held two of the highest positions of responsibility at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, Vice President of Programming, as well as the Vice President of Development. And now she has been chosen by the Board of Directors to lead the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan into the next levels of effectiveness and impact. Jerry and I will be right back after this commercial break, and we will welcome our newest colleague officially, Kara Ross, the president and the CEO of the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, and she will share with us about the Food Bank's impact on the community during the Flint water crisis, what's happening now, and what the future looks like for this great food bank that serves 22 of our 83 counties. You come back and be with us in just a moment. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Welcome back, everyone. Jerry Brisson is in the studio with me, and here at WJR, I'm Dr. Phil Knight. You're listening to Food for Thought, and our guest today, as promised, is Kara Ross, the newly appointed CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, serving Flint and 22 of our 83 counties. So, Kara, welcome to the show, Food for Thought. Thank you. I appreciate it. And congratulations. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much. It's um, a very exciting time. We're glad to be in a transition that's uh, moving us forward in our mission, and I'm just so honored to have the position. Well, it's, 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 uh, I, you know, it was part of the process. I saw the uh, search process go. There was a lot of great applicants uh, from across the state as well as from across the nation, uh, Flint. Uh, the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan serving Flint, particularly during the water crisis, has really um, listed up the uh, entire impact and need of the food bank as it serves a community, particularly one that was in a distressed oper- you know, uh, situation like Flint. But that relationship really doesn't define the scope of the work for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. But, you know, I have to say that I, I know that organizations across the nation have come to you and you've gone to them to help them understand how does a food bank operate in the midst of a crisis? Mm-hmm. Without a doubt. We're definitely a, a grateful community to have, first of all, the resource of um, people here in Flint, the residents of Flint, our community of partners that we work with, uh, for both from the city and uh, local churches, nonprofits, our business leaders, all really coming together to identify 
ways to engage and collaborate with each other. So really, even in all of my time in Flint, the uh, collaboration and the spirit of uh, you know rolling up the sleeves and getting the work done to help the resident uh, really never never was as great as it has been over the last couple of years. And I think that's a great testament to to our community and the work and, of course, the food bank being poised um, to warehouse, have the space for meetings, uh, logistics already in place to move water and food and just nutritious items to children and families. Uh, we were ready to serve, and uh, we were very creative in ways that we could make that happen uh, quickly and respond to the needs of the community. So you're exactly right. It, it definitely was something that um, helped us help the community and that took a lot of people. It was a really great effort. Well, I know that, you know, we worked together early on in the crisis uh, with the legislature and with uh, the governor's office to um, an MSU extension, MSU, and of course, uh, you know, Dr. Mona being a, a huge catalyst for finding foods that would help mitigate uh, the lead exposure, particularly in the children. And uh, while they had an idea what those foods would be, they didn't have a clue how they were going to be able to distribute those across the Flint, mm-hmm. the community of Flint. And again, here comes, you know, the value of the food bank. And, you know, you guys are logistical experts, you know, you move stuff from A to B better than anybody, and uh, and that be able to coordinate that work. And I know you at that time you were serving as the vice president of programming, and we're right in the middle of that. So I think that's a huge congratulations to you personally, professionally, as well as to the food bank of how we were able to coordinate all those efforts from the state level all the way down to the community. Yes, thanks for that. I appreciate it. It, it definitely working with uh, the state of Michigan and partners that wanted to, again, execute things very quickly and not duplicate, not waste resources, but get the resources right into calcium, iron, vitamin C, the the vitamins and content that have proven to help mitigate the effects of light on the body. So, again, that flexibility to be able to move very quickly, to offer suggestions, to enhance what might, um, you know, evolve and come from those conversations you know, partnering with Food Bank Council, obviously our other food banks in the state, Feeding America, uh, and like you said, the state of Michigan and others to then very quickly uh, be able to offer not just water but food and, and proper nutrition that isn't always donated through food banks, right? So having the resources put behind that and the commitment to making sure that families have those things in their homes um, between both the uh, nutrition trucks and help centers and other projects that developed with great community effort very quickly that that resource was made available to everyone, really regardless of income, so they could get that and have it for their families. So real quick, in addition to the phenomenal work around the water crisis in Flint, talk a little bit about serving 22 counties. Yeah, what was really outstanding about our team and the leadership of our board of directors is having that step out of our lane a little bit. Let's be a little creative about how we do things to help in this crisis, but let's also not lose focus that we're serving 21 other counties that still need us to be there for the the food, the mobile pantries, the backpack programs, the summer feeding programs. Everything else had to maintain its course. And not only did it maintain its course, it really exceeded 
the year previous uh, numbers and stats surrounding that. So our our team here did not miss a beat. They knew the importance of helping the resident of Flint, but even more so felt still committed to making sure that we we didn't let any one area or one even program have a moment where it was lapsed or not serving in a meaningful way uh, for people who needed it. So all of those things continued to grow at the same time. Uh, the operations, if you will, here around Flint were growing. And again, the leadership of our board of directors, even in being able to think a little creatively and differently, uh, we use the phrase going out of our lane, right? Getting a little bit aside from the mission, knowing that this work needed to be done. And I think uh, it's a great testament that the other 21 counties really didn't miss a beat or see a difference in how the food bank continued to operate with integrity and, and really get the product out in great equity to all of those areas. She's Kara Ross. She's the new CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, serving 22 counties, including Genesee and Flint, uh, and has uh, had a tremendous history of working in that area. We want to talk a little bit more, Kara, about your history, but we really want to concentrate on what's happening now and what's in the future in the, in the upcoming uh, segments. So, yo, uh, come back sure. and be with Jerry and I. We're going to be right here with Kara, and you come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight on WJR. Welcome back, everyone. It's Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the studio. We're talking with Kara Ross, the CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. And Kara, um, I guess we really want to, Jerry started to touch on the 22 counties that you serve, and you you kept that emphasis there, even though you were in the midst of the crisis. But um, some of the other innovations that you brought to um, the work there and through the 22 counties has to do with some some regional uh, placements of people. And I wish you'd just talk a little bit about that for us and what kind of difference it's made. Sure. It, really, we tried to think more creatively about how we could be a part of other communities. As you know, you described 22 counties going all the way east over to Port Huron and north up to the bridge uh, is quite a large span of service area, square miles. And so we really wanted to have what we now call outreach coordinators or people that would foster and grow the relationships that we have with our partner agencies, with our Michigan farmers, retail stores that we work with, um, you know, and then become a part of the community, be it with a uh, service club or civic organization, maybe a local chamber or United Way. So we added positions or regions within um, areas. So right now we have someone in the Thumb region, a central region, and then a northern region uh, outreach coordinator. And, you know, we couldn't have hired a better team to represent us in this manner. All of the, the representatives live right in the community where they work. They then travel around the counties that surround them. And then they bring people together. All of the partners collaborate in new and innovative ways with food conversations, identifying maybe where the needs aren't getting met, what gaps in services still exist in certain counties. So not only do we want to get food out to every county and make sure that all the pantries and soup kitchens have access to food, 
But what are the areas in those counties that we're not serving? Where are the agencies not located at, right? So then we could think a little more creatively about how we do mobile food pantry mm-hmm. or maybe a backpack program at a school or a school pantry to help serve those areas where maybe a church pantry isn't located. Yeah, I think our project, Michigan Mapped, is uh, helping all of our food banks across the state to identify those communities where food insecurity is uh, is very prevalent and how uh, we're able to, that, that project is able to adjust us even in operations of how much food are we taking, what kinds of food, and where are we taking it, and is it enough food? Exactly. And that's, you know, what sometimes keeps me up at night. If you have <laughs> children in very rural areas that don't have programming or a pantry or something in you know, 20, 30 miles for their family to access, let alone right in their very neighborhood or community, uh, those children very often are going to bed hungry or they're not having the resources on the weekends when they're outside of school, uh, even when you talk about summer and summer feeding programs. So really identifying those gaps and knowing that we need more partners and more collaboration and really, again, outside of the box, thinking about how we can better serve areas that are underserved uh, really becomes the focus for our outreach team overall. And part of our outreach team is actually also our truck driver. Having our truck driver, uh, whether they're visiting a store or picking up from a farm, you know, talking to our partner agencies when we're delivering food, they're also bringing back that valuable information and conversation so we're more, you know, educated about how we're doing things and what we're not quite doing maybe the best level of service that we could quite yet. So all of that feedback and, again, the community collaborations and meetings and bringing people together specifically about hunger relief, not just nonprofit work, is a a new approach that we're taking, and we're really uh, seeing great results in the number of agencies and programs and things we're able to grow now uh, from these new collaborations. So you've had a lot of years in this work, and uh, so you know already that every challenge is just another way to talk about opportunity, right? Exactly. And so as you look, as you look now, you're you're the head of the organization. So you've got a few years. You can still blame the the prior guy, right? <laughs> but but eventually, it's all going to be your fault, right? So so as you look at that. Where, what do you see as the biggest challenges that, that your food bank is facing right now? Well, I think some of it for even food banks statewide is going to be the what does that new partner agency look like? As um, most of our safety net emergency food programs have been church pantries, uh, maybe community centers, a lot of the volunteerism or the next generation to serve in those roles uh, is going to create some challenges for us. So who who else can we turn to working with maybe with hospitals and different creative ways to go? So I think there's going to be a shift overall uh, for food banks to take a look at how do we serve the community with new partners and in new ways. I think as myself and Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, obviously a lot of our challenges are just geographic challenges, uh, the cost of transportation. When you're talking about driving to 22 counties, and uh, each year that cost of transportation continues to rise, how is that going to affect us? How much more money are we going to need to raise or support to cover things so we can continue to serve in the way that we even do now uh, and then accommodate for the growth that we project having? You know, Kara, uh, I also 
um, just think about that's that's probably an aspect of that people in the general public don't grasp or realize the cost associated with moving this food mm-hmm. in the in the in the light of uh, a nationwide thirty percent shortage of truck drivers, and right. we're trying to compete uh, wages for truck drivers, and we obviously as food banks can't pay what you know, a commercial trucking organization is able to pay the cost of fuel. And then just, um, you know, just uh, the talking about the food itself, just this week, we got some, you know, pretty tough news from the Michigan Department of Education that uh, coordinates the, the allocations of emergency food here in the state from the United States uh, Agricultural, you know, from USDA. So, uh, the cost of, of transportation nationwide has affected the cost at USDA, the, the federal organization, and they've cut the, uh, the most recent cut for food allowances to Michigan uh, about $200,000 just in the last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, what that essentially means is a, a, a food shortage for us uh, in, in the pipeline, in the network, and all associated with the cost to transportation. And I think that's probably just a challenge that people, a lot of people who volunteer at the food bank or think about giving to the food bank don't understand that that is a major challenge across the network, not just here in Michigan, but specifically to, to, to uh, those of you who are serving multiple counties. Yes. And just, you know, you combine that with even the shift of donated food and the availability of food uh, when you think about the other uh, secondary market type stores that mm-hmm. continue to develop and serve communities um, really, really well, that that also takes up some of the donated food that we see from food manufacturers nationwide as well. So when you combine those things, um, you know, having that food uh, come through those other channels is critical to making sure that we can all continue to help and serve, you know, really at the the current levels that we're doing and and the cost of that does just continue to rise especially when you're driving uh, three and a half hours to a a drop site or a mobile food pantry location to then deliver you know 18 pallets of food so doing that four or five times uh, a week to these remote areas compared to somebody who might just be going to two or three counties locally um, really adds up quickly, and that's what a lot of our just overall expense becomes, even as you look at a food bank's um, cost of doing business, if you will. She's Kara Ross. She's the CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, and he's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're going to continue this conversation on the other side of the break. You guys come back and be with us. We're going to be right here. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight. Brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Thanks for listening, everyone. Dr. Phil Knight, Jerry Brisson in the WJR studio. Kara Ross on the phone with us. She's the CEO for the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan in Flint, serving 22 of Michigan's 83 counties. Jerry, 
you've got a question. Yeah, you know, so pretty pretty significant challenges that you'll get blamed for later. <laughs> so so now, what about opportunities? You know, where do you see your best opportunities? Because that's what you'll get credit for later. Sure. Well, I, I think really part of that collaboration and relationship building lends itself to you know, new ways of thinking as to how we serve communities. So I think getting creative on innovation of who we partner with, what type of alignment we can make maybe with healthcare and other entities, our relationships with schools continues to grow, having that uh, school pantry available for middle school and high school uh, children is just so critical when you talk about having backpack programs for elementary. So I think aligning ourselves in new ways with uh, new partners is going to be really important to how we get food out to communities and, and going to people where they are, whether it be schools or community centers, uh, again, if they're accessing health care or other programs or services. I think we need to align ourselves better to where people are going and not make them necessarily make a different stop or drive to somewhere. So I think that's going to be a great opportunity for us, as well as even the same thing when you talk about, uh, you know, food streams, revenue streams, um, how we get food into our building to share with everybody, how we get dollars and really new ways of thinking about um, building partnerships and what does that look like for those unrestricted dollars we're talking about to help pay for the transportation and to pay for the the movement of the food. Everybody loves to support a program, and that's absolutely great. By having the money to go out and work with Michigan Farms and make sure we have 16 varieties of produce, making sure we have money and dollars to pay for that transportation and that that work that we do to get the food both in and back out to communities. So I think there's a lot of great ways to think uh, and create the innovative spirit in some of those type of works and steps. I think that's going to be a great, great path. And when you think about the impact of that, what comes to your mind? Well, definitely it's serving more people in meaningful ways. I think if we're continuing to serve um, communities uh, with what we've always done, that's not that's not in the best service perhaps to families. I think we always need to continually see and compare how we can, again, have the variety of food products. The I think back to when, you know, 20 years ago we started in food banking, you had a lot of shelf stable and you had then some frozen that would start to come. Having what you and I would go and get from any amount of grocery store and have in our own homes is what we should always have available to everyone we're serving, not just to where it's convenient. So building capacity for agencies to have freezers and coolers, to have, um, you know, more fresh produce being able to be delivered, uh, to be shared within communities. I think all of these things are important as infrastructure or capacity to help build that and have that result that we all are hoping to have. So we get the refrigerators, we get the variety of food, that gets to people. How do people benefit from it? Well, it definitely helps their their whole overall spirit of situation, right? I mean, if people are trying to get back on their feet from an emergency situation of any sorts, 
uh, a loss of a job, or maybe it was a house fire. Maybe it's that I've had three part-time jobs and I'm trying to get the one full-time job that has benefits. What we take away is that worry about having family uh, meals and having food in the household for their children and family to count on. It provides nutrition to help children learn and to grow in ways that we need to to counteract perhaps obesity and diabetes and other health-related concerns. When we provide a variety of products that are meaningful to families, it not only relieves some of the worry, it can also help with their health and overall, uh, you know, passion for learning and taking that next step to then become um, you know, more engaged in, in the, the, whether it be the workforce or their time spent, it, it definitely gives that result that we all want to have a healthy community and neighbors that we can all um, enjoy and count on. So, Carol, let me ask you a question that's kind of not food banking. Sure. Um, so I said in the mon- monologue uh, a few minutes ago that, uh, that you're a trend buster. Because, because over 75% of the people who work in the nonprofit sector are women, but only 45% of the top CEO positions are held by women. So 45%, somebody might look at that and go, okay, well, that's doing good. Well, nearly half would be good if the sector wasn't so out of proportion between men and women, that being 75% of the workforce in nonprofit are, mm-hmm. are women. So we're not nearly close to 50% of um of the women holding top level CEO mm-hmm. positions like you now have. So I guess maybe my question would be, or, or my ask for comments about um, the uniqueness of being uh, a woman as uh, in the CEO position for uh, a food bank that has such tremendous responsibilities, 22 out of 83 counties and all the challenges and opportunities you just exi- that you just listed um, how do how do you feel? What do you think about you being in this position? And uh, you know that how, how we feel about it. Um, we're excited. Uh, we're fortunate. We're looking for uh, great opportunities uh, in the days ahead with collaboration among all of our food banks, but to, particularly with the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. So I'd just like to get your thoughts on that um, because yeah. we do introduce you as a trend buster. Well, I do think, um, you know, for any leader in a community, I think it's a great responsibility. I'm humbled by um, the example that you set, even for, you know, senior leaders within teams, having those moments where you're inspiring uh, young people, whether it be, you know, the the high school or the, the college age person who's looking to set a career path about what does this look like for me. And I think having everybody represented, uh, men, women, you know, everybody in terms of somebody who looks like you represented in leadership roles uh, is so important. I mean, having two daughters myself and, um, you know, one of my, my biggest role models has always been my mother and other strong women that I've known through the years. Having this leadership position, I take very seriously because I see myself inspiring them to know, hey, I can do that and I can be that person, and that's now the new normal. Whereas Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, perhaps, you know, there wasn't as many 
uh, people to look up and see and right. and know that, hey, that's something I can do or I can be. And I think inspiring that in our young people and even in young adults and adults trying to make a career change or try something different, everybody working together in diversity in teams is valued, and it gives the perspective that helps us all succeed. So I love seeing women in roles because I think the the perspective that they bring, the abilities that they will bring to a room and a conversation is so very strong, just like any other person in, in the room would be. But that is something I take very seriously. I like to do a lot of mentoring. I do a lot of public speaking and uh, try to share information at conferences. Uh, I just spoke at the Women in Finance Conference uh, this past month down in Troy. And, you know, again, presenting that message to really strong women in financial roles throughout the state of Michigan. What a great opportunity, a lot of them, to think about a career in nonprofit and to have that moment where, you know, this might be a path for me and, and what can I learn from this you know, panel discussion that would give me the insight to now maybe be inspired to try a role that I I didn't consider previously. Well, we're really looking forward to having you show your skills on the golf course when you come down for our golf outing in a few weeks. Well, that's another story altogether. That is where I will um, always tell you I'm completely below or to a, you know, average. (laughs) Uh, but I do enjoy being outside and having activities, of course, that I can do with uh, coworkers and community and even my own family. We're very passionate about golf. I'm just not very good. <laughs> well, the the main the main uh, point there is we're grateful for your work. We're grateful Thank for you. all you do. Um, and and you know you're certainly the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan and Gleaners have been close and partners for a long time. And we're just delighted to have you in your your role. You're someone we know extremely well. We have a lot of confidence in what you're going to bring to this work, and we're thrilled and delighted to have you. Thank you so much. I feel the same. I think we have great, uh, probably, you know, poised here in the state with great, you know, partnerships, collaborations. When you talk about the uh, the relationships with the state of Michigan, all of our counties and cities and neighborhoods and communities that we serve, I think uh, the Food Bank collaboration with the Food Bank Council and all of our our state leaders is so inspiring and it it definitely i think everybody finds new ways to to up their game right back in their community and make sure that we're all uh succeeding and holding each other so i I appreciate that i'm looking forward to the work and of course more collaboration with with everyone she's kara ross she's the ceo for the food bank of eastern michigan kara thanks for being our guest on food for thought and sharing your thoughts Thank you. I appreciate it. Great to have you. Jerry and I will be right back to wrap up this edition of Food for Thought. You come back and be with us. It's Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight, presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Once again, here's Dr. Phil Knight. We're back on Food for Thought. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here. Jerry, um... Kara Ross, the new CEO at the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan, and a trend buster. And a golfer. Well, kind of. 
<laughs> no, it care is great. I mean, she's she's terrific at the board meetings. She brings so much experience to the table in terms of what we've done, what's worked, what we can do better. It's really delightful to have her in her role and working with us all. I, I you know, she's been a part of the board and this development of the blueprint. And when you serve twenty two out of eighty three counties, that's a pretty significant chunk of geography that we have to cover and cover well you know and she she started into some of the challenges and i want to come back to one of them uh she talked about the lack of food available right now right and you know last year's harvest was just okay it's you know people don't remember we had a, a early frost it, it really took out some apples and right it it uh it really affected a lot of the crops in the state and a lot of those longer lasting crops are what get us through this time until the next harvest so right. we're almost to the next harvest but well, there's quite. a lot of food that that's usually available now from last year that's long gone. Right. Uh, the the amount of food coming through the Department of Agriculture is shrinking. Um, and some of the reason is because of disaster relief. A uh, lot of the hurricane relief still going right. on and food being diverted from states like ours to help those communities. And we certainly aren't against that. But nonetheless, for us, just in, in Gleaners in our five county, it's a three million pound decrease year over year for the last two months. It, that is a huge, huge amount of food. I and think in the last three and a half to almost four years that I've been in this position, our food banks have the least amount of food in their warehouses that they've had. And so we at the Food Bank Council, you know, tasked last week in our board meeting, we've really got to get innovative on how we can resource this food. And of course, we know that food waste is going to be one of those ways that we're going to be, where that we're going to develop new and innovative ideas to collect that waste. Well, no question about it. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, well, gosh, Jerry, you know, aren't things better? And, I'm, sure. and you know, do you really need but as much economically. food? Exactly right. Do you really need as much food? And so just a few numbers. During the Great Recession, 2011 particularly, the height of it, there were 850,000 or so food insecure people in our five counties. Today, right now, with one of the best economies in my lifetime, there are still 700,000 food insecure people in the five counties that we serve. 300,000 of them are kids. That's one in six kids. So it's it's not that the economy isn't doing a great job. It is the best way to help. We want a strong economy. We're so excited about all the great news that's coming out about how people can be self-sufficient. And most of the people we serve are on that path or getting on that path and looking forward to being totally self-sufficient. But in the meantime, we it's really a tight time. And uh, boy, we could use all the help we could get. Right. Well, one of those things that... that um I want to highlight here, and I'm, you know, not, I'm highlighting a story that's on CNN.com, and it's from Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and it's in the, under, under CNN, it's health, uh, under the health category, and I'd like everybody to go to that, and it said, all my years of reporting, this haunts me most, and it's a story about food insecurity in America. And it's a very, it's an excellent story. I want to send everybody there to look at that. Nearly 40% of U.S. food goes, uh, is wasted. And, and at the same time, 41 million Americans are unsure where their next meal is coming from. We've got to connect those two things. No question about it. And so um, I think that's one of, the, one of the challenges that Kara highlighted for them. But it's actually true 
of the entire network. And challenge means opportunity absolutely. flipped around, right? We've got an opportunity to really address it and make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. It means opportunity. And, you know, that's, that's I, I just said to my team at the Food Bank Council, when you guys task us with, you know, we've got to source more food, you know, said so this is where leadership matters. When you can solve a problem, there's no easier, better way to learn re- to earn respect as a as a, a as a leader than when you can solve a problem. Boy, I'll have to keep that in mind. Start solving some problems, huh? Yeah, well, you know, it's it's true. Now, you did say something to her about you know in the challenges you're going to get um, you're going to get blame, and in the opportunities you're going to get credit. So honestly, you know. You're never as good as they say you are, and you're never as bad as they say you right, are. <laughs> right, right indeed. Right indeed. Just, just hang on to that one for a minute. Um, so I guess it's time for a little food for thought. Benazir Bhutto, the Pakistani influencer who was killed in 2007, she said this. As a woman leader, I thought I brought a different kind of leadership. I was interested in women's issues and bringing down the population growth rate. As a woman, I entered politics with an additional dimension, that of a mother. Jerry, our work needs more people, more men, and even though the sector is 75% strong with women in the workforce, we need more women in leadership roles like Kara. In the next few weeks, we will have on the show another influencer from Flint, who is also a woman and, in all honesty, is a true American hero. Jerry, our guest, will be on Food for Thought, none other than Dr. Mona Hanna Atisha, the crusading pediatrician who brought the fight for injustice in Flint to the national spotlight. In the meantime, you can pick up her book, What the Eyes Don't See, at your favorite book retailer. I've started it, and I can't hardly put it down. Thanks for listening, everyone. Find me on Twitter at DrPhil14 and catch all of our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. Until next time, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.